0: Is it on? Yeah, there it is. Okay, got to make sure that I can preach to people besides those in the front row. Let me pray for us for a moment. Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You do amazing things. I thank you for the privilege of preaching here today. I pray that you give us wisdom and insight as we dig into your word. Help us, Lord, to treasure you above all and to treasure knowing you above all else. We ask all of this in the blessed name of our Savior Jesus. Amen. Here's our church's mission statement. Help me with this, folks. We connect with people at the. Good. Disciple them in the. And send them out as empowered disciples to transform the. World. Excellent. Yes, that's our church's mission statement. This fall, we're going to focus on discipleship, growing disciples, growing as disciples of Jesus. And that's why you received this email on Monday and on Thursday about our cool discipleship plan, making disciples at North, Sub, uh, North Suburban. North Sub. Here's how we define a disciple. A disciple is an intentional follower of Jesus, forever becoming more like him. But before we talk about growing as a disciple of Jesus, we need to ask a fundamental foundational question. Why be a disciple of Jesus in the first place so that's what we're going to talk about today i'm going to give you four reasons why you should be a disciple of jesus now we could this is such a rich topic we could easily double this uh, list and we could go here for an hour but those of you who are sitting next to first graders are thinking no please don't so we're not going to do that okay first the first reason why you should be a disciple of jesus is that this is the only path to god wouldn't it be cool to know a famous person personally To know a celebrity like Paul McCartney or Bono or Taylor Swift or Kanye West, depending on your generation, that'd be really fun. That'd be cool. But you know what's even better? Knowing God. That's what Paul said in the Philippians 3 passage we looked at earlier. Uh, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ my Lord. That's It's so amazing just to know the God who made the universe, who made everything, who rules over all creation. What could be greater than that? And Scripture indicates that those who know the Son also know the Father. In fact, the Son is the only path to the Father. My mother-in-law lives in California, near Sacramento, and so we've gone on various road trips over the years. We've taken the northern route. There are the kids. There are kids at Yellowstone climbing dangerously high at Sheep Eater Cliff. We've taken the southern route to Grand Canyon. That's cool, through the Grand Canyon. And We've also taken the central route. Not as scenic, but it gets you there in four days, three if you push it. So there are numerous routes to California, but there's only one route to God the Father, and that's through Jesus. Can you think of a verse that says that, that the only path to God the Father comes through Jesus? Any know a verse that says that? Yeah, yeah, it's John fourteen six. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, if you think of it, that's a pretty cocky statement to make. Why should we believe Jesus when he says that? Because there are lots of religious leaders who claim to provide a way to God. Why should we believe Jesus when he says these things? So as an aside, I'm gonna tell, tell you why we should believe Jesus when he says that he is the only path to the Father. First, he's the only major religious leader who claimed to be God. Buddha didn't claim to be God. Muhammad didn't claim to be God. Jesus alone did. So there are several possibilities. One is that he really is Lord, that Jesus Christ is God. The other possibility is that he's a liar, a con man, a charlatan, a faker. Um, but that doesn't seem plausible because not only did he preach these great theological and moral truths, but he lived up to them. He lived a perfect and sinless life. So the notion that he's just a faker and a con man, that, that's not plausible. Uh, the other possibility that he's a lunatic, again, that doesn't seem plausible either because here's the man who uttered the most profound moral truths ever uttered by a human being. Uh, and lived up to them. And again, he shows no sign of mental illness. There's no reason to believe that he's a lunatic. As for a legend, there's a couple of ways it could be a legend. One is that maybe he didn't really claim to be God. Maybe his disciples just put that in the Gospels after he died. But that doesn't seem plausible either because the Gospels were written within the lifetime of Jesus' hearers. So there's no way that the disciples could just slip that into the Gospels when they wrote them. It would be like someone claiming that Ronald Reagan was 15 feet tall. You can't, because there are people alive today who personally interacted with Ronald Reagan and know that he wasn't 15 feet tall. So that's, that's bogus. And the only other way he could be a legend is if the disciples you know, wrote the truth, but the gospels, the, the Scriptures got corrupted over the years, which is that there's zero evidence for that. No, really the most, no, the only plausible alternative is that he claimed to be God, and he really was God, that he is Lord C.S. Lewis, who came up with this formulation, uh, adds something helpfully, he says, and let's dismiss any notion that he was merely uh, a great moral teacher because the man claimed to be God. How could you be a great moral teacher if you claim to be God and you're not God? So he says, enough with this patronizing nonsense. So one of the reasons we should believe Jesus when he says he's the only path to the Father is that he's the only major religious leader who claimed to be God and he really does seem to be God. The other reason is that he rose from the dead. He alone rose from the dead. Lee Strobel wrote an excellent book about this. He's a former teaching pastor at Willow Creek Community Church, graduate of Prospect High School like myself, and Roger, Roger Owen out there, and Carl and Rima Johnson, and uh, Amy and Andy Duda. So Lee Strobel's book is excellent he considers alternative explanations for the resurrection account. Like, well, maybe maybe Jesus just fainted on the cross. Maybe he didn't really die. Or maybe the disciples stole his body. But he shows, you know, in writing this book, that all of those, those are just bogus notions. That really, the only plausible alternative is that he really did rise from the dead. So excellent book. I highly recommend that you read it. So those are two reasons why we should believe Jesus when he says he's the only path to the Father. He's the only major religious leader who claimed to be God, and indeed he is God, and he alone rose from the dead. That gives him some street cred. So one of the reasons you should be a disciple of Jesus is that this is the only path to God. Another reason is that you can gain eternal life and escape eternal punishment. John 6, 66 through 69, Jesus says some controversial things and some disciples bail out on him. He says, after this, many of his disciples turn back and no longer walked with him. So Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus alone offers eternal life. And what were these words of eternal life? This is the gospel that we heard earlier, that salvation is not available by following the law like Paul did or by being circumcised. Salvation is available available through faith in Christ Jesus. So in our natural state, we are separated from God, hopelessly separated from God because of our sins, the wrong things that we've done. But because of his great love for us, God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross for our sins. And when he died on the cross, he took upon himself our sins, so that his death on the cross paid the price for our sins that we should have paid. He died and he rose again. And those who accept his offer, the free gift of eternal life, uh, by believing that his death on the cross pays the price for their sins, they are, oh my goodness, there are just so many blessings that come to them. Uh, they, are, they have eternal life. Their sins are forgiven. God comes to live inside them with the Holy Spirit. They're freed from their enslavement to sin. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's a great blessing. And if there's never been a time when you've made that commitment to Jesus, when you've put that stake in the ground and said, yes, I'm going to trust in his death as the atoning sacrifice for my sins, uh, I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to do that this day. So you can tell the person you came with, uh, if you're a kid, you can tell your parents that you made that commitment this day. My favorite verse in all of Scripture, Isaiah 45, 23 through 24. This is the Lord speaking. By myself I have sworn, my mouth has uttered in all integrity a word that will not be revoked. Before me every knee will bow, by me every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. This is the verse that Paul quotes in Philippians 2 when he says that every knee will bow before Jesus and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Everyone. So, for instance, people who founded major religions, they're going to confess that Jesus is Lord. Gosh, that's going to be embarrassing for them. People who persecute Christians today, for example, Xi Jinping, the leader of China. There's a county in China where the government officials insisted that Christians take down their pictures of Jesus, the pictures of Jesus from their walls, and put up pictures of, you guessed it, Xi Jinping. Oh my goodness, all who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. There is going to be a day when Xi Jinping will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. May it come in this life. I mean, it's not too late for him to turn. May he turn from his evil ways and turn to Jesus even now. But for those who reject Jesus and his offer, uh, it's, it's a horrible fate that awaits them. And scripture talks about what it's like. Utter darkness, pain, grief, sorrow, unquenchable fire. Not a very pleasant fate at all. It's indescribably awful. Some of you may be thinking, yep, I'm a Christian, I can check that box. I became a Christian years ago. Which is good. You have escaped condemnation, and you have eternal life. That is awesome. But did you know that At the judgment seat, you will also be judged for the life you've led. Christ is going to judge us on our character. It's not a matter of judgment to condemnation or life. You've already escaped the condemnation, but we will be rewarded based on the lives we've led. This is my second favorite verse in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 10. So we make it our goal to please him. This is Paul speaking. So we make it our goal to please him, whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Notice, all of us will appear before the judgment seat, and we're all going to receive back basically what we've done, whether good or bad. So it's it's not the matter of being condemned. Those of us who believe in Jesus have escaped condemnation. It's really a matter of being rewarded based on the lives that we've led here. Uh, Rewarded with, well, Scripture talks about the possible rewards, like positions of authority, etc., Uh, So the moral of the story is that those of us who are Christians, we are are called to follow him. Uh, He calls us to follow him and follow his example. So don't don't phone it in until Judgment Day, folks. Follow him. So those are two reasons why you should be a disciple of Jesus. Another reason you should be a disciple is that it's worth any sacrifice. How much would you pay for this? This was sold for $4,000. This painting sold for $4,000 in 1982. Could I have bought that in 1982? That's a picture of me from 1982. I didn't have a lot of money. I was in high school. Maybe if I had sold, but would it have been worth it to buy that if I sold everything I had? I can't imagine going to my parents and saying, hey, mom and dad, that that money, I saved up for college. I used it to buy this, hope that's okay. I don't think they would have been too pleased with it. In 1982, it sold for $4,000. It sold for $110.5 million in 2017. Stunning. And that's, folks, is because this painting, which has no title, was painted by Jean Michel Basquiat, one of the most influential American painters of the 20th century. So even if it had cost everything I had, it most definitely would have been worth it. Jesus says that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, it's like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. That's what the kingdom of heaven is like. So it's worth any sacrifice. And what's interesting is that in this parable, he doesn't even tell us why it's worth it. He just asserts that it's worth any sacrifice we can make. But we've read enough of the scriptures to know some of the reasons why it's worth it. I mean, some of them are here, but we could list numerous other reasons why it's worth any sacrifice to be a disciple of Jesus. One of the, uh, the other reason, the uh, fourth reason why you should be a disciple of Jesus is that it's in your best interests. I struggled with this early on in my Christian life. I thought, well, yeah, following God's will is good for God and his kingdom, but is it a raw deal for me? A verse that was a great comfort to me at the time was Isaiah forty-eight seventeen. I am the Lord your God, who teaches you what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. So God is love, and the things that he tells us to do are for our own good, anyway. In fact, if you were a selfish beast, and you cared nothing for other people, if you just cared only for yourself, you would do your utmost to follow the Lord, because his plans for you are good, and he's, he's doing what, you know, he's telling you to do what's in your best interests. Now, hear me out. That may sound a little crass. You may think, wow, you know, talking about appeals to self-interest, I don't know how scriptural that is. That doesn't sound, that doesn't sound very spiritual, and yet, scripture is full of appeals to self interest. Consider the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, If you do these things, oh, you're going to be like the guy who built his house on rock. That, ro- that house is going to stand in the midst of a storm. But if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're going to be like the hot guy who built his house on sand. Storm's going to come and it's going to fall with a great crash. So, right there and then, Jesus is appealing for their self interest. And Proverbs is also teeming with appeals to self interest. So there's nothing wrong with these appeals to self-interest. However, don't focus on self-interest. So don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying you need to act in your own self-interest. Because if you focus on your own self-interest, you're going to end up doing foolish and sinful things, which paradoxically will not be in your self-interest. All I'm saying is that if you follow the Lord, the things that he tells you to do are are for your own good. One caveat, following the Lord is not always fun, pleasant, pleasant or even safe. We pray, those many of us, a number of us pray for the persecuted church around the world. There are people in countries today, whether it's Afghanistan, especially after the takeover by the Taliban, or North Korea or other places where Christians are, you know, they fear for their lives simply because they're Christians. And even in the United States, if you follow Jesus, um, you will suffer for it. You will pay the price for it in various ways. So following the Lord is not always fun, pleasant, or even safe, But it's always a good idea. It's always in your best interest to do that. So here are four reasons why you should be a disciple of Jesus. This is the only path to God. There is no other. You can gain eternal life and rewards, eternal rewards and escape eternal punishment. It's worth any sacrifice, and it's in your best interests. I don't know what you think the big idea is today, but from my perspective, at least for me, the big idea is that it's always a good idea to follow Jesus and it's always a bad idea to turn away. It's always a good idea to follow Jesus, and it's always a bad idea to turn away. We talked earlier about how knowing God is so much better than knowing a celebrity. But there's one way in which knowing a celebrity is better than knowing God. You can hang out with these people. You can have them over for dinner, you can go out to lunch with them, invite them to a Super Bowl party, you can take a selfie with them. Here's a picture of me taking a selfie with Taylor Swift. Actually, actually not. You can, take a, you can take a selfie with Taylor Swift. You can't take a selfie with Jesus. So that's one way in which, in which knowing a celebrity is better. And yet there will come a day, Revelation talks about it, when we will be with the Lord forever, be in a place where there's no death or mourning or crying or pain. We'll be in paradise with the Lord forever. This is what Scripture says, Revelation 22, 4, says about the followers of Jesus in that day. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. Then what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 13 will be true. Now I know in part, then we shall know fully, even as we are fully known. What an amazing day that will be to be with the Lord forever. Let's pray. Lord, we do not deserve all the blessings that you give to us. The eternal life your Holy Spirit living inside us, forgiveness of sins. We deserve none of this. We deserve condemnation and eternal judgment, eternal punishment. But you had mercy on us, Lord, because of your love for us. I pray that out of gratitude and love for you, that we will live for you, Lord. May our lives bring glory and honor to you. Give us wisdom, Lord, as we listen to sermons this fall, help us to be better disciples of you, uh, not for our glory, not even for North suburban's glory, but for your glory. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen If this is the first or